to have uh, Sheikh Saleh Al-Ghursi here tonight. He's a uh, he's a, from an Arab family originally from Iraq, and his family migrated some time ago to Turkey, so he was born and raised in Turkey. Um, he's fluent, obviously, in, in Turkish and Arabic, uh, but he also was raised amongst the Kurds, so he speaks uh, Kurdish as well. Um, he really is quite, uh, for me, amongst the scholars of this time, quite exceptional. He is, uh, you know, I think probably one of the top scholars in Turkey today. Um, he's a master of their traditional uh, sciences that were taught here. And uh, he, he spoke to us last year. Uh, I've known him for over 20 years. We first met in Medina. Um, and I've read his books and benefited greatly from his uh, scholarship. So we're fortunate to have him tonight. He's going to, uh, to talk, and shall I'll translate for him. Bismillah. From the ayah, uh, you know, how to develop it and, and the extreme importance for people. So maybe he'll talk about that if you want. Alhamdulillah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على أفضل خلق الله وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن اهتدى بهداه أما بعد فنحمد الله ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونتوب إليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون
الموضوع الذي نريد أن نتحدث فيه هو ما عرضه علينا الأخوة وهو الأدب في الإسلام. So he said that the, the after praising Allah and the Prophet and um, he said that the, the topic that he's going to touch upon tonight is what he was asked to, which is about adab in Islam. And adab, I think most of you know uh, the meaning, but it's a difficult term to translate because it's a vast meaning. But uh, it, it's spiritual courtesy. It can also mean ethics. So the subject of adab is really about the subject of ethics. أو جزء منه. or at least a portion of it. والخلق في الإسلام من المعلوم لكم ما له من الأهمية البالغة ومن الأثر في في حياة المسلم وحياة المجتمع وسعادة المجتمع الدني الدنيوية ثم. And it's it's not uh, hidden from you the fact that the subject of ethics is a subject that's of the utmost importance in relation to the life of the human being, but also the life of a society and its felicity, and also the felicity of the life of the hereafter. ومن أجل ما للخلق من الأهمية البالغة أثنى الله تعالى على نبيه صلى الله تعالى عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم بقوله وإنك على وإنك لعلى خلق عظيم. And because of this extreme importance that this subject has in our religion, Allah سبحانه وتعالى uh, praised the Prophet ﷺ in his book when he said, and verily you are upon a vast uh, ethical nature or stature. So if there was something more important in terms of one's uh, uh, character, then the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have used that to uh, praise the Prophet, but he chose khuluq as the the highest praise. And for that reason, our mother Aisha, anha, when she praised the Prophet after being asked about his character, she said his character was the Qur'an itself. And so the Arab poet also expressing this meaning said that uh, cultures or nations are nothing other than uh, the the akhlaq the that they possess, the character that they possess. And when their character goes, they go with it. 
والخلق الحسن من أجل ما له من الأهمية البالغة يقول النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم عنه وعن ما له من الأهمية البالغة إنما بعثت لأتمم مكارم الأخلاق فهنا إنما كلمة الحصر أتى لم يقل بعثت إنما بعثت لأتمم مكارم الأخلاق وهذا قد يعني يستغربه كثير من الناس كيف فقط بعث لذلك مع أنه بعث لأمور كثيرة ولكن عندما ندقق ونفصل وهذا يحتاج إلى تفصيلات كثيرة نرى أن كل ما بعث به يعود إلى مكان من أخلاق so uh, because of this utmost importance in this our prophet also said in the famous hadith uh, i was only sent to complete uh, noble character and and he used in that hadith a particle inama which is used for encompassment uh, it's used uh, it's it's one of the particles in the arabic language that indicates uh, only the meaning of only i was only sent for no other purpose and he said, obviously, the Prophet ﷺ was sent for many things. And so when people uh, look deep, delve deeply into this uh, statement and really attempt to understand it with all of its nuances, they, they, they will eventually arrive at the conclusion that, in fact, everything that he brought is related to makarum al-akhlaq, that it all goes under that rubric of noble character. ومن أجل ما له من الخلق من الأهمية البالغة النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم ركز في كثير من أحاديثه على حسن الخلق وعلى الثناء على حسن الخلق وعلى الثناء على المتصفين بحسن الخلق ومن هذه الأحاديث ومن أهمها قوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم أحاسنكم أحاسنكم أخلاقا ومساوي أو أو شراركم مساويكم أخلاقا. So um, the Prophet ﷺ, because of the importance and the centrality of character in our religion, there are many many uh, prophetic narrations in which he emphasizes and praises these qualities. You can find many of them. One of the most important is the hadith that says, the best of you are the best of you in character, in akhlaq, in ethics, um, and the worst of you are the ones that have the worst uh, character. وَمِنْ أَجْلِ الْقَوِيَّةِ يقول النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم أدبني ربي فأحسن تأديبي ثم قرأ قوله تعالى خذ العفو وأمر, وأمر بالعرف وأعرض عن الجاهلين وهذا أيضا من الأخلاق And so uh, again the Prophet وسلم, uh, in indicating uh, because there is a very powerful relationship between uh, ethics and between comportment, uh, which, which is adab. We have the khuruq, which is the character, but the, the adab is the actual uh, way in which one carries oneself 
expressing that character. And so because of the important relationship about, of that, the Prophet ﷺ in another hadith, he said, my Lord has, has uh, disciplined my soul, has given me this adab, and what a beautiful adab uh, he gave me. And then he quoted the verse of the Quran, which is about uh, forgiving people uh, and, and uh, commanding to uh, what is normative in goodness in a society and um, to ignoring the zealous ignoramuses out there. قد أجمل الله تعالى في هذه الآية الكريمة الأدب الإسلامي والخلق الإسلامي الرفيع. So in this verse of Quran, which is only a few words, Allah subhanahu wa taala has really summarized and given us a complete abridgment of the essence of of what adab and good character is. والخلق والأدب هو الذي يعلو بالإنسان ويرفعه إلى مستوى القدوة ويجعل منه أسوة حسنة وقدوة صالحة. And so it's really good character that is what elevates a human being amongst others, and also that results in a human being becoming actually an exemplar for others to imitate. It's it's the good character. That a person exudes that places him in this exalted position. وقد جمع الله تعالى محاسن الأداب والأخلاق كلها في سيدنا محمد صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم ومن أجل ذلك أثنى عليه بقوله إنك لعلى خلق عظيم ثم قال تعالى لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة. And so for this reason of the importance and the centrality of of character, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم really Allah سبحانه وتعالى made him the embodiment of all good character and all all good qualities that are possible to be embodied in a human being. The Prophet ﷺ was given all of these, and, and this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he uh, spoke about the Prophet ﷺ, he said, verily you are on this vast uh, ethical character, that this is, this is um, an expression of him being the embodiment of all these qualities. بالخلق الإسلامي الحميد يرتفع مستواه ويكون نسبته في كونه أسوة حسنة وكونه وارثا للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كلما زاد نصيبه في الأدب الإسلامي والخلق الدين الإسلامي يكون نصيبه أكثر في باب الوراثة وباب الأسوة الحسنة وباب الخلافة للرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم وكلما قل قل. And so uh, to the degree with which a person takes upon himself these uh, qualities, these excellent qualities, to the degree with which uh, he uh, improves his soul and comes closer to the prophetic nature, this is the degree with which he acquires that portion 
of becoming a, a beautiful exemplar. And to the degree with which he does that is the degree with which he becomes a, an, an inheritor of the Muhammadan character. He becomes a wadith. Um, so the more that he increases in that, the closer he gets to this inheritance and to uh, fulfilling his role as a caliph of God, a vice gerent of God on the earth. And uh, as he diminishes from that, he, um, he diminishes in also that, uh, that quality. Wallahu ta'ala min ajli anna al-iswa al-hasana min ajli ma laha min al-ahamiyyat al-baliga wa min ajliha al-asl fi al-mujtama'ati wa fi salah al-mujtama'ati wa fi nahdat al-mujtama'ati wa duwali wa taqaddumiha min ajli thalika anna thalika huwa al-asl لم يبقى الله تعالى في يوم من الأيام الإنسان بدون إسوة حسنة فكان أول الإنسان وهو أبونا آدم صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم أول إسوة حسنة ثم لم يبقى الله تعالى مجتمعا من المجتمعات بدون إسوة حسنة وبدون نبي وبدون بعثة رسول نعم وأرسل الله تعالى رسله تترى وما من أمة إلا خل فيها نذير So because of this importance and the essential need for societies, for these exemplars, these beautiful exemplars of character, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has never left from the beginning of the first exemplar who was Adam, the first human being. He was the first uh, beautiful exemplar of, of noble character. Allah has never left this uh, earth without these exemplars. And so the prophets came one after another in succession each one of them embodying these noble qualities. والأمم السابقة على أمة محمد صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم ما كانت عنايتهم بالعلم مثل عناية أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ومن أجل ذلك كان الله تعالى يرسل لهم الأنبياء تترى وكان يجعلوا الأسوة الحسنة فيهم أنبياء وكانت الأنبياء تسوسهم كما يقول النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم كانت بنو إسرائيل تسوسهم الأنبياء كلما مات نبي خلفه نبي. And so because of the, this uh, the fact that the previous uh, civilizations that went before the previous Uh, communities that went before our Prophet ﷺ because they did not have the same level of centrality in their pursuit of knowledge that the Prophet's ummah had, that because of that, the, they, the, the renewal was necessary uh, one after another. And so the, they had successive uh, beautiful exemplars. One Prophet came after another. And these prophets also were their political leaders because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent them also as heads to rule them. And the Prophet said in his hadith, which is sound hadith, that the uh, Bani Israel were ruled by their prophets.
They were led by them. ومن أجل أن سيدنا محمد صلى الله تعالى عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم خاتم الأنبياء وختم الله تعالى به النبوة ومن أجل أنه تك أن الله تعالى تكفل بالحفاظ على هذا الدين وعلى كتابه وعلى سنته بقوله تعالى إن نحن نزلنا الذكر وإن له لحافظون من أجل ذلك الله تعالى بعث في هذه الأمة الحرص على العلم والحرص على التخلق بأخلاق النبي والتأدب بآدابه والحرص على وراثته والحرص على أن يكون فيهم مجموعة كبيرة من الأسوة الحسنة. And so because of of uh, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa taala Himself said that He would take it upon Himself to preserve uh, this message. In the previous dispensations, it was left for the people themselves to preserve it, and they often corrupted their messages. But Allah subhanahu wa taala said in the Quran that He Himself would take it upon Himself to preserve. This message, and so because of that, and saying in the verse that we have revealed this Quran, and it is upon us, meaning Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the royal we, to preserve the Quran. Because of that, uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has instilled in this Ummah uh, an intense desire to acquire knowledge, to preserve our knowledge, but also to embody the prophetic character and to maintain a large number of these beautiful exemplars amongst the inheritors of the Prophet ﷺ who inherited these, uh, this beautiful character that he brought. ومن أجل ذلك يقول النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم العلماء ورثة الأنبياء ويقول ويقول صلى الله تعالى عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم علماء أمتي كأنبياء بني إسرائيل والحديث وإن كان ضعيفا لكن معناه صحيح لأن بني إسرائيل كانت تسوتهم الأنبياء وأما أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم فتسوتهم العلماء الذين هم ورثة الأنبياء لأن النبوة قد ختمت والأمة لا تبقى بدون بدون قائد وبدون مبلغ وبدون من يسوس أمرها وبدون من يدعو إلى الخير وإلى كذا وكذا ومن أجل ذلك قال العلماء ورثة الأنبياء وأنبياء أمتك كعلماء أمتك كأنبياء بن إسرائيل. And so for this reason, our ummah has the distinction of being led by these inheritors of the prophetic tradition, and these are called the ulama. And, and the Prophet ﷺ said in a, a sound hadith that the, the ulama are the inheritors of prophets. But in another hadith, which although it's weak, um, its meaning is sound, uh, in which it says that the, the likeness of my, uh, my, the scholars of my ummah is the likeness of the prophets of Bani Israel. And the reason for that is because, like uh, it was said earlier, the prophets of Bani Israel, they were the ones that led uh, their uh, communities. They were led by their prophets. Whereas this uh, community is supposed to be led by its ulama because there will never be a time when there, there isn't the guidance of these scholars. And so they're there 
because every ummah needs uh, leaders and they need people to guide the people with their knowledge. This is always uh, a prerequisite of the society. So the, the Prophet's society has these, the ulama that are in the position of the prophets of the previous uh, communities. ومن أجل تكفل الله تعالى بالحفاظ على هذا الدين بعث الله تعالى في هذه الأمة كما قلنا الشوق والرغبة في تعلم العلم والتخلق بأخلاق النبي ومن ثم أنشأ فيهم علماء ربانيون and, and so these people, because the, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has preserved this teaching, one of the things that he did in order to ensure that was he instilled in the hearts of some of this community this intense desire and love for knowledge, to pursue that knowledge, and to take on these qualities and characters of the Prophet and to become um, those scholars that can nurture um, a society. Rabbaniyun are the people that nurture the people on this uh, knowledge and this character, the two of them together. Insha'Allah Ta'ala fi hadi al-umma ulama'a rabbaniyin wa murabbina kibaran bi'a'dadin kathiratin tasuddu hajat al-mujtama'i yanubuna ha'ula'i manaba and and so because of that, the, there has always been a very large number throughout the history of Islam of these scholars that are not simply scholars of outward knowledge, but they also have this ability to, to, to educate people in a true way, to educate their souls with this good character. And throughout the history of our ummah, there have been these people that have uh, fulfilled that role and 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 took on this uh, Muhammadan inheritance and trans, uh, transmitted it and uh, affected these generations of Muslims. وَجَعَلُوا مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةَ أُمَّةً قَائِدَةً لِلْعَالَمِ وَسَيِّدَةً لَهُ وَمُعَلِّمَةً لِلْخَيْرِ لِكُلِّ الْعَالَمِ And so uh, from these scholars who are actually the scholars that really led the world in many things and also gave great good and great knowledge to other, not just to the Muslim community, but to those outside of the community who benefited from their incredible endeavors. وحافظوا كما قلنا على كل مقوماتها وتقدموا بها ونهضوا بها ونهضوا بالأمة ولكن عندما قل هذا النوع من العلماء بدأت, بدأت الأمة في التقهقري 
And so, in reality, these scholars, historically, they really were the true leaders of the Muslim community. They were the ones that maintained those things that uh, held up the Muslim community. And, um, and as long as they were there, the Muslim community really ha was held up and maintained. But the, the reality of the situation is, as that group of scholars diminished, uh, and diminished increasingly until it got to very small numbers, uh, the sustainability was no longer there, and this is where you really see the regression of the, of the community of Muslims as opposed to their um, progress. وقيادتها للعالم والذي هو مهمتها الذي ابتعثها الله لأجلها وسيادتها للعالم وكونها مصدر خير ومنبع كل الخيور للعالم منوط بوجود الأعداد الكبيرة من الأسوة الحسنة من العلماء الربانيين الذين الواعين العالمين بدقائق الإسلام والعالمين بكل جوانبه والذين علموا الأمة الإسلام بكل جوانبه التاريخ أثبت أن تقدمها بوجود أفراد كثيرة من هذا النوع من العلماء. And so if we look, uh, if we set aside the verses and the hadith that indicate uh, the, the, all of these things, and we set those aside and just simply look at the testimony of history itself, we will find that history clearly testifies that the real leaders, the, the ones that really gave uh, the Muslim world its mastery over, the, uh, over uh, the rest of the world and put them in that elevated position of being leaders and being an ummah that was brought forth for the good of humanity uh, to benefit people. If we, if we look at that, we will see very clearly that the history tells us that it's, it's directly due to the extraordinary number of these scholars who had immense knowledge, who went into great details, who understood the religion with great details, but also there were these beautiful exemplars uh, of, of the prophetic character, both in, in knowledge and in their practice. And this was really the, the real secret uh, of the Muslim uh, uh, power, uh, and, and uh, history clearly uh, reveals that. كما أن التاريخ قد أثبت أن تخلف الأمة وتقهقرها عن ركب الحضارة وانحطاطها إلى الحالة السيئة التي تعيشها الأمة إنما هو بفقد مثل هؤلاء العلماء أو قلتهم فيها الذين يعني أو بقلتهم فيها أو بوجود علماء يأخذون بجانب من الدين ويتركون جانبا آخر. And so what you'll find that if again history will clearly show just as it showed that the real uh, reason for the rise and the progress and the ascendancy of the Muslim civilization was due to the, a great number of these people. History will also reveal 
quite clearly that the collapse of the Muslim ethos and also the decline and, 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 and really uh, low point that the Ummah has reached is the direct result of the fact that the, these uh, numbers have diminished greatly and uh, it's hard to find these people at all. And when you do find them, what you will find is that they're very often uh, people that know a, a, an aspect of the religion. So, so they have scholarship in some areas, but there's neglect in other areas. And so they're unable to have this holistic view. Allah Ta'ala, when Ta'ala, أوجب عليها أن تكون أمة كما أوجب عليها أن تكون أمة قوية في دينها أوجب عليها أن تكون أمة قوية في دنياها أيضا وعن هذا الطريق القوة, القوة في الدنيا تستطيع أن تقوم بمهمتها ومن أجل ذلك خاطب الله تعالى الأمة بقوله وأعدوا لهم ما استطعتم من قوة ومن رباط الخيل ترهبون به عدو الله وعدوكم وآخرين من دونهم لا تعلمونهم الله يعلمهم And so for that reason when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenged this Ummah to rise up to what Allah was asking of it Allah also demanded from us not simply our spiritual practices but also to have uh, strength uh, in the world and, and to uh, recognize that the material uh, power was also uh, a necessary component with the spiritual power to protect yourselves. And for this reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, uh, uh, prepare uh, yourselves with, with power. Um, and and uh, and also, which was the vehicle at the time, with uh, the uh, maintaining horses for your cavalry, uh, and and through that you will deter your enemies, the enemies of Allah, and your enemies, and those which you don't even know yet, uh, but Allah knows them. So uh, so this is Allah's command to us to also have this material power as well. الآية الكريمة وندقق النظر فيها نرى هنا نكات وأمور مهمة الأول يقول تعالى ما استطعتم من قوة ما استطعتم بكل ما عنده من الاستطاعة لابد أن يجهز القوة ثم يقول الله تعالى والقوة هي كما فسرها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم هي الرمي بقو فسرها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بقوله ألا إن القوة الرمي ألا إن القوة الرمي ألا إن القوة الرمي ثم قال الله تعالى ترهبون به عدو الله وعدوكم ما قال تقتلون به عدو الله وعدوكم لأن الإسلام إنما بعث خيرا للعالم ولأجل أن يصل بالعالم إلى السعادة الدنيوية والأخروية لا لأجل أن يقضي عليهم ويقتلهم بل لأجل أن يكون قويا حتى إذا كان قويا بالمادة والسلاح 
تكون كلمته نافذة وتكون الدعوة ماشية لا تعقدونها العوائق والناس يدخلون في دين الله أفواجا وتكون الكلمة النافذة للإسلام لأن الكلمة النافذة هي كلمة القوي من أجل ذلك القوة ليس لأجل القتل ولأجل الدمار كما هو الدارج في العالم عندما يحصلون على القوة يدمرون ويقتلون ويخربون الدول ويخربون العالم وإذا تولى سعى في الأرض ليفسد فيها ويهلك الحرث والنسل والله لا يحب الفساد So if we, if we look at, at the nuances of this verse, one of the things we notice is that Allah says, and prepare what you're able to, in a, you know, مستطعتم. So the istita'a, which is what you're capable of. So prepare from what you're capable of, of power. Uh, but then if you look also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the Prophet said when he was asked about what that power was, he said, the power is in projectiles. The power is in projectiles. The power is in projectiles. And he said it three times. So the ability to project, pro, to pro, project your enemies, which at the time was, was archery. Today it's obviously um, intercontinental missiles. But it's still projectiles. That's the essence of, of power, is in, in the ability to project your weapons far distances. And so the Prophet uh, then said you know, that it's in order to deter. And, The word liturhibu, you know, uh, irhab, in, in Arabic, the closest word that we have in English is deter, because deter comes from a, a, a Latin word which is deterre, which is out of fear. So a deterrent is something that causes fear in people so that they won't harm you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't say, in order to kill your enemies. He said, no, be powerful in order to deter your enemies from trying to conquer you or overwhelm you. And so this is, uh, this is against what is very common coin amongst many people that talk about Islam. Oh, when Islam gets power, it's going to destroy the world. The reality of it is the, the, the Prophet ﷺ was told to get power in order to prevent destruction of the world. And, and this is why in the Quran it says those who when they get power, they begin to corrupt in the earth and destroy uh, agriculture and destroy uh, uh, the lineage, you know, uh, families and children. So, and, Allah, and then Allah says, and Allah does not like corruption. So Allah is saying in the Quran that those that get into power in order to destroy, to kill, to corrupt, those are evildoers. The Quran says that. So it's the complete opposite of what's claimed about Muslims who are told to get power in order to open the doors of good so that we can call people to the truth. So because one of the things that is the nature of, of, of having material power is that people listen to you. If you don't have power, they don't listen to you. And so this, the power of a word, when it's backed by material power, is much greater than somebody who doesn't have material power. And this is why when Muslims were powerful, they would go to places and people would want to become Muslim and be like them because they want to join the powerful side. So it's very important even for da'wah and people coming into Islam. When they see Muslims as strong and powerful, they want to be like them. If they see them as weak and helpless, Uh, they don't want to be like them. So this is uh, part of the wisdom of the Qur'an telling us to be powerful. 
المسلم إذا مكنه الله في الأرض يكون مصدر خير ومصدر سعادة للعالم كله والله تعالى يقول الذين إن مكناهم في الأرض أقاموا الصلاة وآتوا الزكاة وأمروا بالمعروف ونهوا عن المنكر جمع فيه كل يجمعون كل هذه الخيرات ويقدمونه للعالم وأما غير المسلم فكما تلون الآية قال الله تعالى فيهم وإذا تولى سعى في الأرض ليفسد فيها ويهلك الحرث والنسل والله والعالم كله الحرث والنسل ما يوجد شيء آخر الحرث والنسل سعى ليفسد فيها ويهلك الحرث والنسل ليفسد فيها ويهلك الحرث والنسل والله لا يحب الفساد والتاريخ شاهد على هذا على هذا أن عندما تكون القوة للإسلام والمسلمين يسود الخير والعدل في العالم وحتى الحروب الإسلامية هي أرحم حروب في التاريخ ثم إذا تولى الآخرون لا يكون غير الخراب والدمار ولكن هؤلاء يحاولون أن يعكسوا الأمور ويقولون المسلمون هم إرهابيون وفي التاريخ هم كذلك عملوا الإرهاب والآن عملوا الإرهاب مع أن هناك مثل مثل يقول إذا كان إذا كان بيتك من زجاج فلا ترمي بيوت الناس بالحجارة ولا نقول لا نبرئ المسلمين عن كل شر الإسلام بريء عن كل شر نعم جميل. والمسلمون لا يبرؤون عن كل شر نعم. والمسلمون ناس يعدلون ويجورون ولكن العدل فيهم الغالب والأصل والجور هو عارض وطارئ والتاريخ أثبت ذلك أن أعدل الحكام هم, هم, هم حكام المسلمون وأما الحكام الآخرون فعندما استولوا على أي منطقة لم يجلبوا إليها غير الخراب والدمار والفساد في الحرث والنسل وفي الخلق وفي كل شيء والذي يقرأ التاريخ لا يحتاج إلى so you know he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when he empowers the Muslims uh, what they do is they establish prayer they establish charity to help the poor and they command to what's good and they forbid what's bad that's what he says when they have power in the earth when, when but but as the earlier ayah was recited when others are given power in the earth then you see them hastening to corruption uh, destroying the uh, the agriculture and and uh, and the offspring, and he and he said that this this is the reality of the matter. It's, but but it's been painted the opposite that the Muslims are the terrorists, that the Muslims are the ones that do all these evil deeds. Um, and but he said that history really, if you're fair and look at history openly, then what you see is quite the opposite. That when the Muslims ruled, they actually were actually quite decent rulers that had a, a considerable amount of justice, and, and this was their norm. 
And he said that when, but, but I'm in no way justifying the actions of Muslims. What I'm saying is when the Muslims are unjust, it's not Islam. It's that they're human beings. And like human beings, they have good and they have bad. And, but Islam is, is free and unblemished in terms of uh, its commandments and its injunctions. It's telling us to be just and upright. So when Muslims uh, do bad things, uh, it's, it's the Muslims that should be blamed, but not Islam, because they're not doing it uh, in accordance with their religion. They're doing it for, for, other, uh, for other reasons. And so that's an important distinction. But Islam, and again, if people are just simply fair and will look at history, um, history is also uh, a testament to this fact. Al-Irhab mawjood al-alam. Al-alam al-alam kullihi. Wa fil-alam al-islami aydan. Wa huwa ma nushahiduhu. Walakin hunak irhabin huwa asl irhab. Wa irhabu duwal. Wa hunak irhabu jama'at. وأصل الإرهاب هو إرهاب الدول الأصل الإرهاب في العالم هو إرهاب الدول الظالمة هي التي تصنع الإرهاب أولا لنفسها ثم تصنع إرهابيين أيضا في المسلمين وتؤيد الإرهاب الإسلامي أيضا حتى تري وتعمل دعاية أن هؤلاء إرهابيون أن ولكن ما هو لماذا دخلوا الإرهاب ولماذا يعني حصل هذا الإرهاب وما هو أصل الإرهاب أصل الإرهاب الإرهاب الجماعات الإسلامية هو الإرهاب الدولي الإرهاب العالمي والظلم العالمي وال والاستعمار العالمي واستغلال خيرات المسلمين ومحاولة قتلهم وتشريدهم ومحاولة جره ابتعادهم عن الإسلام وهذه المحاولة الإرهابية التي الدولية هي أصل الإرهابي في العالم الإسلامي. And so if you look at terrorism, he said really you have to define there's two types of terrorism, and then there's also the origin of terror. So the two types of terrorism, there's, there's state terrorism, and then there's the terrorism of groups. If you look at state terrorism, that's really the foundation here. So it's the origin of, of the group terrorism is a direct result of the state terrorism. So when you have states that are oppressive and terrorizing peoples and terrorizing other countries, um, stealing their natural resources, exploiting them, doing these things, then you'll get reactions to that which often will use uh, similar uh, uh, types of terror. And so this so-called uh, Islamic terrorism uh, that we witness today, and there's many places now where we see this, he said if you actually look at it, um, where is it coming from? Because it came, it came out of uh, this, this vacuum. So where did it come from? What's the origin of it? And he said, if, if you're fair and honest, what you'll see is it's actually their reactions to state terror. And in, in, in many ways, it's these, state, it's these states that are oppressing and exploiting that will often uh, produce this, this type of terror and then use it for their own benefits. And so uh, they, 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 uh, they end up having this... Uh, the, these forces out there and they say, oh, well, look, there you see, 
um, look at these horrible, and then it justifies their own terror. So they use their state terror, and they, and they say, look at these uh, groups that we have to deal with. They're so evil and horrible. And what they're doing is actually much worse when you look at the scale of the terror. Well, so when we look at the current situation, we see the Muslims and the conditions there. And like I said earlier, uh, the, these, these beautiful exemplars were there and leading the Ummah. But now when we look at the regression of the Muslims and their backwardness and the, uh, the, 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 the depressed states that we find them in, uh, looking at the reasons uh, gets back to this original uh, this original proposition. ولماذا سار المسلم أذل من شاته كما قال النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم. So we we ask the question why is it that the Muslim now is really weaker than a a, a, a lamb about to be slaughtered. السبب الوحيد هو عدم هو إهمال بعض أوامر الإسلام الأوامر المتعلقة بتقدم الدول بتقدم الدولة الإسلامية نقطة الضعف في الأمة نقطة الضعف في الأمة هو إهمال الجانب الدنيوي وأسباب تقدم الدنيا وإهمال العلوم الدنيوية and so if, if we look at the, the real reason for this condition that the Muslims find themselves in, it's because they really uh, began to neglect uh, the aspects of um, knowledges. They focused on uh, these religious and spiritual knowledges, and they really lost uh, the edge in these other uh, knowledges these knowledges, these worldly knowledges. And this has led to uh, a condition, a degraded condition in the Ummah with... Um, with نقطة الضعف في الأمة هو إهمال امتثال لقوله تعالى وأعد لهم ما استطعتم من قوة إلى آخر الآية لأن الأمة لا تتقدم دنيويا إلا بالعلوم المادية والكونية وعندما المدارس الدينية ركزت على العلوم الدينية فقط وأهملت العلوم الدنيوية حينئذ بدأ الضعف يدب إلى الأمة وبدأ التقهقر هذه نقطة التقهقر للأمة والتقهقر لا يحصل بمرة ولا يحصل بدفعة وإنما يحصل كما أن التقدم لا يكون إلا تدريجيا كذلك التقهقر لا يكون إلا
تدريجيا ومنذ مئات السنين الامه قد اهملت هذه العلوم فبدات في التقهقر حتى وصلت الى المنحدر الذي تعيشه الامه reason for this backward state that you see the Muslims in, much of it has to do with the, the simple fact that they ignored this verse in the Quran, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, that you should prepare what you're able to from, from quwa, from this strength. And that strength really is about material strength. And so the Muslims neglected this aspect for centuries. And so this didn't happen all at once. It came over a long period of time where they got weaker and weaker and weaker until their enemies could just come and really uh, 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 eat them up. And so uh, this neglect of these uh, material sciences with the sole focus on religious sciences is really at the root of uh, this loss of Muslim uh, sovereignty. نعم الأمة في أول أمرها والعهد العهد الصحابة والتابعين أيضا ما كانت عندها العلوم المادية والكونية صحيحا. During the early period, it's it's undeniably true that the the first community didn't have these material sciences and the sciences of the cosmos. ولكن حينئذ كان العالم كله كذلك وإنما سادت العالم. حينئذ بدينها فقط وبدينها الصحيح وبعدلها وبرعايتها لحقوق الإنسان وبرحمتها وشفقتها على الناس وأما بعدما العالم غير الإسلامي توجه إلى العلوم الكونية فكان الواجب على الأمة أن تكون في المقدمة كما كانت قبله في المقدمة في هذه العلوم وأنشأت هي واخترعت علوما كثيرة مادية وكونية ودينية ودنيوية فالأمة بعد ذلك أهملت هذا والعالم الآخر هو الذي اهتم بهذا وتقدم والأمة الإسلامية بقت في المؤخرة and so, you know, it's undeniable that that first community was, uh, was not in any way, shape, or form uh, advanced in these sciences, nor did they pursue them. But it's important to remember that at the time, the entire world was relatively primitive. Um, and so uh, they, they really ruled the world by justice. And so it was easy because their character, uh, they were able to spread the religion and wherever they went, they established uh, high levels of justice with the people, and so people responded to that. But as, as they pursued uh, their knowledges and their sciences, they actually invented many sciences, they developed previously existing sciences, and they were at the cutting edge of science of their time. And when they were doing that, um, they were leading the world uh, in, in all these different various uh, aspects of uh, sovereignty. But when they began to neglect these sciences and they allowed other civilizations to surpass them uh, in the development of these sciences, they really lost their position uh, in the world and increasingly declined until it got to the point of the situation that you see now where they have no ability to defend themselves. <laughs> 
في تركيا بفضل الله وكرمه في مقدمة الدعاة إلى أصلاح المدارس وأصلاح المدارس هو إصلاح للأمة And so, by, by the grace of God, we here in Turkey really are at the forefront of trying to uh, rectify this problem by rectifying our, uh, our curricula in our schools and um, recognizing the importance of, of the, these two elements uh, And so, again, we're really trying to get to the forefront of once again being in a position uh, to have uh, strength and to uh, be a source of guidance and a source of leadership uh, for others to see. نواحي الخلقية والإيمانية والعلمية وعالمين بالإسلام وساعين في تطبيقه بجميع نواحيه حتى يكون مصدر خير كثير ويكون سببا لعودة الأمة إلى ما كانت عليه. And so we really what we want to be is at the forefront of this renaissance of of Muslim. Uh, scholarship and to and to really that our scholars should be inheritors of this prophetic uh, tradition. The um, and if they if if they take on that inheritance, then again we can restore this position of of, uh, of Muslim uh, sovereignty in the world and and be in a place where we can do we can do good things and and benefit uh, humanity with our knowledge and our abilities. فإذن ما هو واجب الأمة؟ أو ما هو أهم واجب الأمة كأمة ليس كفرد. So to ask the question then, what is what is the obligation, or more importantly, what's the most important of the obligations for this ummah? And I'm not talking about the individual, because individuals have their own matters. But what is the most important واجب for us as a ummah, as a civilization? واجب الأمة أن يعتنوا بتنشئة علماء من هذا النوع. يكونون قادة لأمتهم إلى الخير وإلى السعادة وإلى عودة الأمة إلى ما كانت عليه وما ابتعثها الله لأجله من سيادة العالم وقيادته وكونها معلمة خير للعالم. And so really the thing that we should be most concerned about as a ummah is the preparation. Uh, and the development of these scholars that are beautiful exemplars that are practicing this so that we can restore our position of sovereignty and of dignity and elevate the status of our communities so that we can once again be a community that really provides leadership for the world and, and good and, and disperses that good to the whole world. أن ينشئوا أعدادا كبيرة من من العلماء من هذا النوع من هذا الطراز القديم من هذا الطراز العالي وأن ينشئوا مدارس تكون هذا النوع وهذا الطراز من علماء الأمة ومن خلفاء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وورثته. 
And so we should really see that that is our most important project now, is to, um, to, uh, to uh, advance these institutions, to uh, found these institutions that will be able to produce scholars that are inheritors um, and that will be like these scholars of the past that really uh, went into every science and knowledge and, and delved the depths of knowledge and science so that we can, again, have this level of scholarship in our community. And يكون لا يكون إلا بالعلم والتربية. And so this, in order to produce this mode of scholar um, who really comes out of the this prophetic font um, and and uh, embodies this uh, prophetic inheritance, the only way to do that is really if we have this understanding of knowledge and tarbiya that having you you can't just have information, but you also have to have the ethical education that uh, goes along with the informational education. فالواجب أولا أن ينشأ علماء كبار وراثل للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في علمهم وخلقهم وعملهم وعملهم وعلماء يصلحون لأن ينشئوا هذا الطراز من العلماء وعلماء مربون يربون تلاميذهم ويربون مجتمعهم على الخلق الإسلامي والوعي الإسلامي والآداب الإسلامية. And so in order to do that, then we have to. Uh, ha to really have institutions that are able to produce these scholars, but then those scholars need to, to replicate that again and do it by uh, taking out into the society this tarbiya and transforming the society's ethical character, uh, having an impact on the society so that we, the, the society itself is affected by their character and their character in turn gets transformed because of the presence of these exemplars. Well. سيدنا أبو بكر الصديق رضي الله تعالى عنه يقول لا يصلح آخر هذه الأمة إلا بما صلح به أولها وأول الأمة قد رباها النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم على هذا الطراز وهذا الخلق وهذا الوعي وهذا الشعور وهذا وهذه الآداب وهذه العلوم ثم رباها الصحابة على هذا النوع وعلى على هذا الطراز وثم رباها التابعون على هذا النوع وعلى هذا الطراز وعن هذا الطريق انتشر الإسلام في العالم شرقه وغربه بسرعة أذهلت كل العالم وتحير فيه مفكرو العالم وصار لغز الألغاز في العالم حتى اليوم لأن لماذا هو سار لغزا عندهم لأنهم لا يعترفون بحقية الإسلام وكونه دين الله وكونه وكونه شرع الله لا يعترفون بهذا حتى يضيفون الأمر إلى هذا نعم. فيبقى 
فيبقى لغزا غير محلول عندهم. And so, you know, for this reason, uh, if we have to get back to this prophetic character and and really uh, there's a statement of the Salaf which said that the the last portion of this ummah will not be rectified by anything other than what, what rectified the first portion of the ummah, the Salaf. And what rectified that first portion was that the Prophet came into the world and transformed the character of his people. And, 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 and those Sahaba that he trained, they in turn transformed the character of the Tabi'een who followed them, and, and they in turn transformed the character of those who came after them. Uh, and it, it continued on like this. And for that reason, uh, Islam spread in such a sudden and, and unhistorical uh, fashion that really it, it completely surprised, took the world by surprise. And to this day, they really don't have an explanation of why Islam spread so incredibly fast. They don't accept that it's because it's the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it remains a historical riddle. Uh, it's just perplexing to them how this this uh, religion appeared in the 7th century and then within an incredibly short time it was it, it was in, engulfing a good part of the known world at that time and spread so rapidly and and they won't they 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 can't admit that it was because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, had the blessing of uh, his blessing upon it and it spread but it really still remains for them a riddle as to why it spread uh, so fast idan al amru kulluhu وأول الواجبات وأهم الواجبات على الأمة هو الاعتناء بالعلوم الإسلامية ثم العلوم الكونية ثم ما هو حاجة العصر هذه أن يهتموا بها وثم تربية تنشئة علماء من الطراز الذي ذكرناه وتربية الشعب وتربية العلماء لتلاميذهم على الخلق الإسلامي وعلى الآداب الإسلامية وعلى والحفاظ على عقائدهم وخلقهم وآدابهم. And so uh, the, what, what's important is that you have these scholars that are going to uh, to first and foremost learn the Islamic sciences because those are those are the foundational sciences but then also learn the physical material sciences because those are also extremely important and then also added to that is the importance of this tarbiyah this uh, this ethical uh, quality of, of self-transformation and 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 those people have to nurture the not only the society but also students that will take on that uh, knowledge and through this this is the way our ummah can be transformed wahada ma kana qama bihi haqq al-qiyam as-salaf as-salih min as-sahabati wa at-tabi'in wa atba'ihim wa atba' at-tabi'in an hadha at-tariq kama qulna انتشر الإسلام وساد الإسلام العالم وقاد الناس إلى السعادة الدينية والدنيوية والأخروية ولا يصلح آخر هذه الأمة إلا بما صلح به أولها. And so this is how this first generation really transformed uh, the world through through following this this pattern, and then uh, the next generation followed. And again, 
the only way that we can have a restoration of this is by doing the same things that they did. Um, and, and for that reason, reiterating the, the saying of the early community that the end of this community will not be rectified by anything other than what rectified the first of this community. الله يبارك فيك سيدي كما الشيخ عنده سفر غدا يعني لا لا لكن ممكن تاخذ ثلاث اسئله نعم طيب 3 3 questions go ahead I'll repeat it So the question is about, you know, if material power and being in these positions of, of influence are important, then what should be a, a Muslim's, um, what should be their uh, situation when those very systems that have that power don't always, are not congruous with their own beliefs and their, their, their religion? So how do, they, how do they act vis-a-vis that? Is that pretty much, yeah. فهمت؟ يعني هي تسأل عن يعني قلت أن أهمية القوة والنفوذ لكن مع ذلك يعني بالنسبة للأنظمة اليوم الكثير منها تناقض المبادئ الإسلامية فكيف تنصح يعني هؤلاء الذين ممكن عندهم الإمكان أن يدخل في هذا الميدان لكن يحسوا أن الميدان لا يوافق مبادئهم الواجب الأمة واجب الأمة أولا الدعوة والتبليغ وإصلاح المجتمعات ثم إصلاح الإداريين وإصلاح الإداريين إما أن يكون بإصلاح أشخاص أو بتبديل أشخاص أو بتبديل أشخاص يعني فالواجب للأمة أن تسعى إلى الخير والسعي إلى الخير له يعني أساليب وله طرق تختلف بحسب العصور وبحسب الأزمان وبحسب الأمكنة وبحسب الظروف وبحسب الدول تختلف مثلا في تركيا عندما أردنا أن نجعلها مثال يعني الأخوة المسلمون في تركيا سعوا إلى أن يحصلوا على الحكم بطرق بطرق يعني هي كانت ميسرة القوانين تسمح بها وحاولوا وحاولوا يعني محاولات كثيرة وفشلوا ثم حاولوا وفشلوا ثم حاولوا وفشلوا وأخيرا بفضل الله تعالى نجحوا في هذا السبيل نجاحا الحمد لله باهرا وهذه التجربة التركية نريد أن تكون تجربة نموذجية للعالم الإسلامي. So Sheikh said that you know that the first and foremost priority is is really calling people back to the faith itself and and delivering this message because a lot of people that they don't have the message and so that's very important. But in terms of working within these systems, it just depends on 
times and places necessitate different strategies and different ways of working. So it depends on where you are and, and, and what the conditions are. Uh, much of what's needed is, is, is what he called rectifying the administrative uh, aspects of these governments. And so he said that that can happen, one, by rectifying the administrators themselves, but sometimes it can happen by replacing those administrators with better administrators. To use the example of the Turkish um, uh, uh, experience, in Turkey, uh, the Muslims worked for a very long time to, um, to really get into a better position because, as you know, he didn't go into it, but um, the secular uh, history of um, 20th century Turkey was very anti-religious. But the religious people were very patient, and, and they worked within the, the, the constitutional system, which allows for elections. And they tried, they failed, they tried again, they failed, they tried again, until finally they began to succeed. And it was a very slow uh, and, and inter, intergenerational process. But eventually they were able to get into position where they, they could actually make a very positive change um, in, in the society, uh, enabling more religious freedom and other things. So this is an example that happened here of how to do it. Other places are going to have different, um, uh, different experiences. المسلمين للحصول على الحكم في بلدانهم أيضا يجب أن تكون بحكمة وإلا يكون ضررها أكثر من نفعها بل قد يكون تكون مصدر شر فقط ولا تترتب عليها خير. And so if we look at the the, the Muslim world, uh, we we have to recognize that it's very important to to do to call people back to the truth and to do this, but to do it with wisdom. Because the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, alhamdulillah. Because the, uh, in, in many places, it hasn't been done with wisdom. And so you see the effects of, of, uh, of not trying to change things wisely. Uh, sometimes uh, people are so unwise that what they actually end up doing is complete evil. It just ends up being terrible uh, for the people. المحاولات السياسية الحكيمة من إخواننا في تركيا لما قامت هذه الدروس هنا. هذا هذا سؤال وأنا أظن يعني هو هو يقول أنا شوية تحيرت لأن في بداية الدرس أنا أحسست بأن الشيخ الغرسي يشير إلى أن الانحطاط في في العالم الإسلامي وفي أمتنا كان لسبب روحاني عدم وجود التربية. وفقدان الأدب وفقدان العلماء الربانيين لكن في في يعني بعد ذلك أحسست بأنه يشير إلى أن نقطة الضعف المادي التي كانت لسبب عدم وجود أو إهمال هذه العلوم العصرية والمادية والكونية هي التي أدت إلى الانحطاط فأنا أريد يعني لو توضح هل هو الاثنان أو أحدهما غالب أو أحدهما غالب على الآخر طبعا يعني الأصل كما قلنا الصحابة والتابعون وأتباع التابعين ما كانت عندهم هذه العلوم الكونية 
كما قلنا ولكن كان العالم حينئذ كله كذلك على هذا المستوى فتقدموا بالطرق الذي ذكرتم برفض الدنيا وبالدعوة والتبليغ والإرشاد والعدل وصاروا مصدر خير وصاروا انموذج العدالة في العالم من أجل ذلك نشروا الدين في ربوع العالم وأما عندما وقع السباق في العالم في العلوم الكونية والتكنولوجيا والتسلح فارتبط تقدم الدول وتقهقرها بالتقدم في هذه العلوم وتقهقر هذه العلوم وصار الضعيف من أجل أنه ضعيف في العالم يتقهقر دينيا وروحانيا أيضا دينيا وروحانيا أيضا وصار الغالب هو الذي يدعوه إلى إلى الكفر ويبعده عن الإسلام لأن القوة معه والقوي هو الذي يستطيع أن يصدر مبادئه وأن يفعل ما يشاء. So like I had said earlier, in in the first period the Muslims didn't have any of these sciences, but but if you look at the world it was relatively primitive and for that reason nobody had the, these sciences. So when the Muslims went into these societies they were able to uh, to do what they did based on their justice as they increased the justice spread they were known for their justice they became exemplars of just societies uh, relative to that period uh, as, as time increased they developed these sciences and they were at the cutting edge but then they began to decline now that decline from the neglect of these sciences allowed other civilizations to rise up in their rising up, they became powerful. When they and because of that, they were able to come into our societies and then undermine the the spiritual uh, traditions in our cultures and in our societies and impose on their on. us their way of living and their way of looking at the world and this was done because we became weak and they became strong and so there's a relationship both are there but the undermining of the spiritual power of the Muslims was really a direct result of their collapse um, in, in their in their abilities to defend themselves and so this is the way we find the Muslims uh, today they, 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 they lost their sovereignty and their power and so the, both are true but you know what he's saying is is that when the Muslims could defend themselves they could preserve their spirituality but when they lost the defense of themselves these other cultures were able to come in and colonize them shut down their madrasas shut down their I mean if you look at what happened in Morocco they, 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 they shut down all these, uh, the French shut down their colleges, they transformed, Al-Azhar was transformed by Freemasons. I mean, the Freemasons infiltrated Al-Azhar and transformed it. That's, that's uh, documented historically. Um, Lord Cromer was, was, was in Egypt, he was the governor of Egypt, and he was very good friends with a lot of the Azharis and the complete transformation. So 
there, you know, these things can't be ignored, these historical truths. But remember, he's looking at a very long uh, projection of the Ummah. He's not looking like right now we can see the spiritual crises in the Muslim Ummah. But if you look at how we got here, what he's saying is the Muslims lost their ability to defend themselves. And, and, and in losing that ability, they got conquered by other peoples. And, and by conquering them, they were able to bring in all of their ways of, of looking at the world, their material sciences. We didn't have responses to them. And so uh, a lot of these people, and now we have, you know, with the internet and with television, all these things, we've got the Trojan horses in people's houses. I mean, Muslim kids now are growing up on, on films in which there's no family, there's just boyfriends and girlfriends. I mean, the, 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 you know, the Gulf states, it's all free. Western movies, is, it's just 24 hours on television. The kids are growing up with these things. So this is, a, it's a type of, of colonization of the mind. Before they colonized the bodies, but now the minds have been colonized. So you can, once you've colonized the minds, you can, you can forego all of the hassles of physical occupation because you've occupied them mentally and then you just go back to your, your home states and you've got your mental slaves to fulfill all of your, um, anyway, long, long discussion. الله يبارك فيك شيخ آه هذا شيخ والله شيخ صالح ما شاء الله هو بحر من 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 بحور العلم يعني he really is and the thing about you know his he he's mastered the Islamic sciences but as a alim of the Islamic sciences he's he recognizes the importance of these other sciences that that we have to have a balance you know that the Muslims can't only focus on this. And that's why people have different roles to play. And all these ulum, Qad al-Ghazali, these ulum, all have furud kifaya, handasa, wa tib, wa sina'a, wa zira'a, wa, yani, all from dinina. Thumma na'a ala ulamai asrihi. Naam. Al-fuqahai asrihi, qal, antum, ayyuhal ulamai, ahmaltum, naam. Atallamtum al-fuqah, نعم أنا درست سنة سنة الماضية كتاب العلم من الإحياء وهو يذكر واضح جدا يعني إمام الغزالي is very clear in the book of knowledge where he's actually finding fault in the scholars of his time that you're just studying fiqh and all these legal legalisms you're ignoring all these other important sciences. Uh, and, and, and he says that in the Book of Knowledge. You know, Ghazali was not this spiritualist that people think he was. He was very much embedded in the political um, civilization of his time. He, he was an advisor to kings. He was an advisor to ministers. He was very active politically, and he was aware of the importance of having a, a powerful state to preserve the spiritual integrity of our civilization. He was in no way a, a darwish. You know, he spent a short period of time. It was only 18 months. People think it was 10 years. It was 18 months where he left his position and really uh, uh, disappeared in order to work on his soul. Uh, but Imam al-Ghazali was very active. Here, I want to 
من المعلوم لكم ان اول ايه او نزلت من القران قوله قوله تعالى اقرا باسم ربك لاحظوا عندما ندقق في هذه الايات قال اقرا امر بالقراءه ولم يعين المقروءه و ومن المقا ومن القاعده البلاغيه ان حذف المفعول يفيد العموم يفيد العموم فالواجب على المؤمن هو قراءه كل علم نافع للمسلمين. So uh, he said that it's very important if you look at the very first verse that was revealed um, chronologically in our religion it was اقرأ باسم ربك and what's important is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say he said iqra bismi rabbika but he didn't say uh, he, he didn't use use a direct object so the sentence is a command to read in the name of your lord but he doesn't say what to read so and in rhetoric when you don't mention the object of the verb it, it indicates a kind of general statement like you should read if i said that i'm saying you should just read generally like it's a good thing to do if i said you should read more more literature then i'm i'm identifying what so when allah said iqra bismi rabbika what he was saying was read in general that that that's a general uh, statement لأن العلم والقراءة تعتبر من المادة شيء مطلوب للنفس ويشمل قراءة جميع العلوم المتعلقة بالدين والدنيا وبالكون ولكن يجب كلها القراءة كلها أن تكون بسم الله تعالى ومن أجل إعلاء كلمة الله تعالى ومن أجل التقدم بدونه ومجتمع المسلمين والدولة الإسلامية telling us to read uh, generally that the purpose here really is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us to do this uh, in the name of Allah that the, whatever you study whatever you do should be done with the sole purpose of exalting your lord of teaching your lord فتح الله تعالى كتابه بالامر بالقراءه ثم ثنى بامتنانه على 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 المسلمين بتعليم القلم هذا إشارة إلى أن أصل أن الأصل في هذا الدين وأصل هذا الدين هو العلم والقلم والقراءة والكتابة والكتابة هذا من أجل ذلك بدأ الله تعالى كتابه بهذا الأمر وثنى بالثناء بالامتنان على الإنسان بالتعليمه الكتابة الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم هذا هو الأصل ولكن بالطريقة التي ذكرنا ينشأ منها علماء ربانيين ومربين حكماء يتعلمون الأوامر الإسلامية بجميع نواحيها ويطبقونها ويكونون أسوة حسنة وأدات خير وسعادة لدنيا الأمة وأخرها. And so in this verse again, when we look at it, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala begins by saying, "Read generally in the name of your Lord." That was the important condition that the reading be for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But then 
He reminds us of his, his, his blessing upon us, uh, by, that he created the human being and taught him with the instrument of the pen, with the ability to write. So he gave the human being the ability to transmit his knowledge and to further uh, his knowledge. And so this is very important. Again, it goes back to this idea of having scholars, these ulama rabbaniyin, who uh, spread this knowledge in the society with, with both the information that the knowledge contains, but also the character necessary to carry that knowledge in order for it to be beneficial knowledge, in order for it to illuminate and not to, uh, to desecrate. And so the reality of it is, is that, that knowledge and religion are, are really twins. But in reality, um, knowledge, uh, the religion itself is, the origin of it is knowledge. So the basis is all knowledge. And that's why the, the verse in the Quran clearly indicates that it's about knowledge. وليس في الإسلام لا في نصوصه ولا في مبادئه ولا في تاريخه العداء بين الدين والعلم كما تعلمون كان هو الواقع في غير الدين الإسلامي وجرد من أجل العداء بين العلم والدين حروب وقتل من أجله الملايين من الناس أما الإسلام and so, for this reason, in our civilization, knowledge and, and, and religion were never at odds. They were never uh, enemies. Uh, and you find in other civilizations, actually, there was an antagonistic relationship between knowledge and between religion, uh, which even led to wars and even led to uh, millions of people losing their lives over uh, this, these two uh, conflicting um, so uh, again the question goes back to the first question about when, when these uh, you know gover governments don't allow for people to um, 
to rectify conditions that they find themselves in, um, then what, what, what really is the responsibility of Muslims? How do we respond to that? Is that, uh, in essence, what? Unlike the Turkish example. Huh? Yeah, exactly, unlike Turkish. So anyway, is that fine? Yeah, is that what you were intending? Yeah. So, uh, so the sheikh said, again, it gets back to what is our first and foremost obligation, and that is to convey the message, to call people to this message. That's, the, the, that's what's upon the Muslims, especially upon their scholars, but to do it in ways that are appropriate. And even in the worst, most oppressive conditions, there's always ways to deliver the message. Um, even, as we know, there were periods where people were killed for doing it, and people still did it. They found ways to convey this message in places. So this is the most important thing. Um, and not to neglect that, that to neglect that aspect of just conveying, simply conveying the message. Um, he said that, that he can't really find a Sharia excuse uh, for, for doing that. الحكومات قد تحول دون بعضها ولكنها تحول دون كلها ولا تستطيع أن تحول وواجب المسلم دائما أن يفكر ويختار أساليب ويوجد طرق للدعوة والتبليغ ويمشي عليها. So especially in this time that we're living in when we have all of these extraordinary means and methods to convey messages that they didn't have before these things that we have the, uh, the internet and, and other uh, tech, te technological means so you know these things are also means of conveying this message and, and reaching more and more people so that's important Alhamdulillah <laughs> نسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى دائما أن يوفق الشيخ إن شاء الله ويصلح أحواله في 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 نشاطه يعني يعاونه ويقوي وإن شاء الله يمتعه بالصحة والعافية ويبقي مدرسته على ما هي عليها وبالزياد دائما إن شاء الله بالتلاميذ وبالأساليب ونرجو من الله سبحانه وتعالى أن يثيبه بما قضى لنا من الوقت وأن يوصله سالما غانما إلى إسطنبول حيث يقوم بواجب كذلك يعني مع العلماء هناك ويوفقهم ويسدد خطاهم إن شاء الله فجزاكم الله عنا وعن المسلمين خير الجزاء وإن شاء الله ينشر علمك يعني بكتبك وب حضورك في الأماكن شتى دائما وإن شاء الله أن نكون رواد كذلك لعلمك قدر استطاعتنا يعني لأن بارك الله علينا وعليكم ووفقنا الله تعالى وإياكم إلى النية الطيبة والعمل الصالح آمين. وحسن الخدام ورزقنا الله تعالى وأكرمنا بالحسن وزيادة آمين جزاك الله خيرا سيدي وفقكم الله
Um, just a quick update. Tomorrow the lessons will be starting at 9.30, inshallah. So tomorrow's 9.30, inshallah. And we have Isha, and we have Isha Salah now, inshallah, followed by Surah Waqiyah. Thank you.